Welcome Builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Hello, builders. Welcome to the Build Your Success podcast today. This is a podcast where we build you so you can build others. Of course, we do that through some training and through some special guests. We have a special guest today. Today, we have on the podcast, Stephen Meyer. Stephen Meyer says that in his youth, he was a typical nerd. He learned the word nerd while being an exchange student in the USA in the 80s. He also learned street fighting over there, although he did not want to. Back in Germany, he studied psychology and started his career in Accenture. He loves music and he enjoys playing the guitar. So we'll hear a little bit more about Stefan and uh, want to just welcome him to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Stefan. Hello from Frankfurt. Hey, great to have you today. So uh, we uh, appreciate you. And one of the things you talk about here is the radical change and uh, radical organizational change. So tell us a little bit about that and, and how you've implemented that in your business and, and helped others with that. Yes. Uh, just imagine for a minute that you were the new prime minister of Britain and there is this fancy new German car and you want to ride it, but it's a taboo for you for two reasons. Well, first of all, it's a German car and that's not good when you're the prime minister of Britain. And secondly, it has the wheel on the left side because in most countries such as Germany or the US, people drive on the right side on the, of the road. But in Britain, you drive on the left side of the road and suddenly you say, okay, why did I become prime minister of Britain? I want to modernize the country. I want to make it fit for the future. And then you remember that most countries, most civilized countries at least, already drive on the right side of the road and you decide, okay, this is the moment. I am going to modernize Britain. I am going to catch up with all the other countries. We are now going to drive on the right side of the road. So this is your first thought and you're full of enthusiasm. And then you think, well, isn't it a bit too radical? Shouldn't we somehow help people get on board with the change? Shouldn't we rather do it step by step? And then you decide, okay, on the first week, only the trucks drive on the right side on the road. In the second, second week, also the buses. And in the third week, finally, everyone drives on the right, right side of the road. So everyone who hears this can clearly see this is not going to work. And uh, this is a perfect example when uh, um, a gradual change, a step-by-step -step change just doesn't work. There's only a radical change that's going to work. And for example, Sweden did that in the 1960s, I think it was 1967, when they switched from driving on the left side to driving on the right side. One Sunday morning at 5 a.m., everyone, I mean, everyone had to drive on the right side of the road. And it worked. And astonishingly, without any traffic jams or, or no, nothing, nothing bad happened. So everything worked out fine. So why I am so obsessed with radical change is... I am in the business of change management, of changing companies, modernizing companies um, for 25 years now. And most of the kinds of change I saw was a gradual change, a step-by-step -step change. I studied business psychology 
in Germany. And then I started my career with Accenture in very, very big projects. Like I remember one project with German Telecom, we were 300 members of the project, just digitization. Another project was digitizing German railways to make it possible to buy a train ticket via the internet. At the time when people just said, oh, we don't need this internet, it's never going to work out. <laughs> Things like that. And now the most passengers are more than happy that they finally can get a train ticket off in, at the internet and not have to go into these traditional German railway booths with the grim-faced German railways officers and you have to beg them to hand you the ticket. So these times are over, fortunately. So I saw many of these different kinds of changes and the majority of them was, I would say, well, rather boring because nothing much really changed. It took a long time and it was very strenuous and everyone um, well, didn't like it and nothing much happened later on. But I also made the experience with a different kind of change, which I call radical change. And these are the kinds of change that really have the option of changing something for the better. And I try to find out, so what's the difference between these two and, and how do you really make a radical change? And I found that there's not much literature about it and even less scientific research about radical change. So I started doing my own. Um, I wanted to make this in the form of a doctoral dissertation. And uh, first I talked to a German university and they say, no, we don't support this. So I went to England and uh, I got an English university to accompany me with this endeavor. And um, I wrote a doctorate thesis about radical change. So what I did for my research is I talked to experts. First of all, I thought, well, the number one expert about radical change should be interim managers because they are hired explicitly for doing this. Um, the kind of interim managers I talked to were the guys that went into companies that were shortly in the risk of um, getting bankrupt. So something really had to change in order to make these companies survive. And these interim managers, not only once in the lifetime had a radical change, but they're doing this on a constant basis. So I thought they should know about it. And I started making interviews with them. And then I had, um, I had lunch with an American business friend and he said, so why don't you also make interviews with American interim managers? I could introduce you to someone. I said, we have a deal. So I did that. And then my supervising professor said, now we need some different perspectives. You should also talk to some consultants. And since I was already on my way of an international research, I talked to consultants from Canada to South Africa. And my professor also said, well, we should also talk to some line managers who see the same thing from the inside. And then I made interviews with line managers from England to Hong Kong. And lastly, um, my professor said, well, you talk to all these people from the world of private business, you should also talk to at least one person from the government. And that it, it was quite fortunate that um, the city the English university was at in England is the same city where there's the headquarter of the um, British uh, Secret Service. So I got uh, an employee of this um, Secret Service to give me an interview. And uh, he talked very frankly about change. I was very glad about this. And internally in our research group, we called this the James Bond interview. Of course, his real name isn't James Bond, but if I tell you his real name, I'd have to kill you. Um, anyway, so I had around 
group of experts about radical change. And I, um, I made some excerpts about the interviews. I somehow condensed it because it was 176 insights. That's just too much to keep in your head all the time. And I condensed this to a neat little framework that I call the sacred cow framework because it's actually an acronym of sacred and cow. And um, now I have a, a tiny little framework that might help you if you're ever in the situation of saying, I want to make radical change, which are the different aspects I have to consider so in order to make it a success. And even before this um, framework, um, there is for everyone the decision, am I in the situation that I need a radical change? So do I really need a radical change right now? And in order to help you with that, I also developed a canvas that I called the cow canvas. And the cow canvas leads you in six steps through the decision-making uh, whether you need a radical change for your organization or not. I could also tell you a little about the, um, the findings I made. So what actually is radical change? Um, one of the most original answers I received when interviewing the interim managers was radical change is when people start laughing again. And at first I thought, oh, oh, what was that about? Uh, could you, could you, could you expand on this? And he said, well, it's like this. When, when I come to an organization that's already in a, in, in a, in a bad situation, um, the culture is rather tense. People are afraid of the future. They don't see a future in the organization. They don't see where the organization is heading to. And what this interim manager does is provide some clarity, show some visions, show some perspective. And once the people have the impression that the interim manager knows what he's doing, so the change agent, to say it in a more general term, once the change agent provides some vision, some direction where the future is heading towards, then people understand that there actually is a future inside the organization and the tense releases somehow and people get where there's, is, there's lighter mood in the organization and then finally people start laughing again. It, not just because the boss makes a bad joke and they have to, but because they want to. And so there's just a... Um, a more pleasant atmosphere after a radical change. So this is one of the interesting findings I made. Uh, when you ask the people, um, when do you actually need a radical change? So I, I asked them several questions during my interview, but the one that was most interesting for me was, does every organization need a radical change from time to time? This is what I really wanted to know. Because if yes, then we would have to do some change in the kind of, in the, in the way organizations are managed, right? So my question was, does every organization need a radical change from time to time? And so I did not get a unified answer because this is science. Half of my interviewees said yes, and the other one said no. So the ones that said yes actually say, every organization needs a radical change from time to time, let's say every few years and preferably before the crisis begins. So this is one half. The other half said, no, an organization only needs a radical change under certain conditions. And there are three conditions they told me about. The first condition is when there's a change in governmental rules. So you have a business model and suddenly it becomes illegal when it's obvious that some radical change is necessary. The second cause could be progress in technology. When the 
when your customers notice that your competitors are more modern and they work with more modern tools and more modern whatever, and you look somehow old-fashioned. So this is another reason. And the term digitization comes to mind in that context. So um, firstly, change in governmental rules. Secondly, change in technology, progress in technology. And lastly, um, what we call um, higher power. So events such as 9-11 or the COVID pandemia may also be a reason for a radical change. So to sum it all up, Half of the people said you need a radical change in any case. The other half said only in under uh, specific circumstances. But we may have at least two of them right now. So anyway, um, there is a need for radical change, and we know very little about it. And I hope I could contribute a little to the knowledge about radical change when we need it and how we can make it successful. Well, you have definitely studied many uh, people in, in many countries, various uh, diversities and, and sounds like you've done good. It reminds me, of course, you talked about the laughter, so maybe this will give some people some laughter. The, a cartoon I saw one time said that had a gentleman standing up and said, who wants change? And everybody raises their hand. Who wants to change? And nobody raises their hand. And so to this point that people are afraid of change and, and, and don't want to make these changes, I think a lot of times uh, change comes because of either pain or payoff. And so you make the decision you want to change because something has happened that forces you to change or you see the payoff and the outcome. And I love that outcome of, of the team laughter and working together with this change management. That, that's, that's something. This radical change uh, idea so I have seen teams try to go through progressive changes. And, and as you're stating, it just really slows down the process. And, and sometimes by the time that iteration of change goes through, it's time for a new change, that, that two-year point you mentioned. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that, uh, the difference between this radical change and this iterative change where some people try to do it in a progressive state. Yeah, I have the impression that if a change takes too long, people just get tired. They lose energy. They uh, they don't want to hear of that anymore. And they say they somehow despise these change meetings where people always talk about the same thing. And they always ask, aren't we finally finished? So um, a fast change, a radical change, but also give you the perspective that there is a time when the change will be over in a way. Mm, that's a good perspective. Yeah. So it's so almost a deadline, if you will, that this is going to happen. We're going to have this change take place. It's, it's immediate and uh, it's quick and, and we don't have to, to wait around on seeing how the change impacts us. Yeah. Also, the interim managers are quite um, experienced in this because usually they have a limited mandate. It may be one year. In many cases, it's two years, but then it's over. And after these two years, the interim manager has to leave the company and the company has to be vivid enough to survive on its own without the interim manager. So he has to build up a lot of um, progress, a lot of processes, a lot of um, people believing in themselves and being capable of, of uh, handling everything that's necessary um, before he can leave the company and everything works on its own. So to make yourself redundant is also um, something that's relevant in that thing. So no interim manager said, I'm going to uh, hire up in this company and I'm going to stay here forever. 
everyone knows that they are only there for a short time frame. Yeah. And in your studies, I'm curious if different cultures accept change more readily than, so you, you did these different countries, you did these different entities where it's businesses and uh, governmental organizations, which, which ones are more receptive to change? Which ones are less receptive to change? Which ones do it better than others? Give, give us some insight there. I don't think you can really say that, that some cultures are better or worse. Um, but, well, for example, when I started my um, work at Accenture, I just finished my studies in business psychology and uh, I was a newbie at Accenture. The company just recently, uh, at that very day, um, had finished a new reorganization. So the old uh, departments were dissolved and new departments were made. And I met several colleagues who said, uh, I, don't, I don't know who I am because my department has dissolved. I lost my identity. And it took them some time to get used to their new department and their new responsibility. So it, it's always challenging for everyone. But there are certainly organizations that are more experienced in this because they have been doing this more often and other ones that never changed. Uh, for example, everything that's close to government hardly ever changes. And so they most likely have much less experience and know-how in changing than some well-run private organization. Yeah, that's a good thought. To, to be good at change, you need to practice change. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that, that's that. I like that thought. I've seen a lot of merger. So I'm a contractor. I'm an industrial contractor is my day job. And I've seen a lot of mergers and acquisitions, larger companies buying smaller companies and trying to bring their culture to those companies. I've seen that done well, but I've also seen it where I would call it murders and acquisitions. So where they come in and it's just a totalitarian thing. They don't merge well. Everybody's trying to do their legacy and keep their legacy company. Uh, but I can, I can see where this change management could help in that. And especially when we're talking about this uh, radical change may need to be when these mergers happen. Yes. M and A is a difficult topic. Yeah. Many, of these um, endeavors um, unfortunately don't succeed. Um, part of the reason for that is that some people have never heard of something like a corporate culture. They just don't know or don't believe that it exists. And then when you have your very first M&A, you actually make the experience that companies with different cultures that don't blend well, um, that may be a difficult thing to do. And sometimes it's just complete failure and everything, well, both um, organizations suffer from it. So, so tell us some, uh, some real world examples of, of where you've seen radical change. You mentioned the Sweden with the uh, transition to the, the side of the car. What are some other uh, examples you have of where radical change has done well? Well, everything that has to do with the digitization or digital transformation at the moment is radical change. Uh, well, not everything, but most of it, um, because things just um, change so much that it also changes your daily schedule. Um, me being a freelance consultant, I used to travel a lot, and in the last weeks and months due to Corona, 
um, this has changed significantly. So instead of traveling somewhere around half of the Republic and sitting in some meeting room, uh, most of my events took place via Zoom or MS Team or some other fancy gadget. And first of all, I saved a lot of time. This is just fantastic. I saved so much time. And um, it, actually, in the last few days, I had uh, one seminar locally where I traveled to um, the city. Um, and of course, I, I went by train. Uh, and of course, uh, the train had a, a gigantic delay. I, I arrived so much later than I wanted to. So the next event I had, another physical event, I said, okay, let's skip the train, go by go by car. And I went by car and that was difficult as well uh, because of traffic jam. So uh, whatever you do, um, there's always some, um, yeah, there's, there's always some fate that comes in your way and makes it difficult. And you don't have all of this if you meet on a virtual basis. So you, you save a lot of hassle, you save a lot of time. And on the other hand, um, you will be astonished how many people are in the business of consulting, training, speaking, etc., who are hardcore introverts like me, for example. And for us, it's even easier to do everything on a virtual basis. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it takes less energy. It's, it's more, it, it makes it easier for you to stay in balance. Um, so what I heard from talking to uh, several colleagues is that some of them very much appreciate the change that's taking place at the moment. I remember times where when I was in an acquisition phase and a potential client says, yes, it sounds interesting what you bring to the table, let's meet. And that usually meant travel around half the Republic and spend half an hour in my office and then travel back the other half of the day. In other, way, in other words, I had to waste an entire day just to have a nice chat with that guy because he was too... I don't know, too inexperienced or too lazy to just switch on his Zoom or whatever gadget. I said, have you never heard of Skype or Zoom or whatever? No, no, we don't do this here. So I hope this is going to change because all these unnecessary um, travels for just a simple half hour meeting is just redundant. We shouldn't do that anymore. So I hope this is one of the radical changes we can manage. And it's also a perfect example of a radical change that is definitely a change for the better. Well, Stefan, I, uh, I'm an extrovert, and so I'm the guy that <laughs> wants you to come halfway across the country to meet person face-to-face, uh, but this, this change you know, that has happened because of COVID has made me aware that, that these opportunities are, you know, we can look at each other on Zoom and see facial expressions. We, we can talk to one another and, and have a meeting similar to sitting face-to-face, uh, but I still hope we get back to the, to the days where we can have a handshake. It's certainly no replacement, but there are always situations when the one or the other one is the better option. Yeah. Well, Stefan, it's been great having you on the uh, podcast today. Tell our listeners how they can get in contact with you, where they can find you. Um, Yes, I suppose you have show notes, so I can also provide you with some links. But um, there are those in the show notes. Yeah. So there are two options. One is my Twitter account with. five daily insights or hints about digital transformation. So every day, five new hints about how you can 
improve on your digitization status. And the other one is simply my homepage, which, which is still in the process of being built. But although I live in Germany, I started building it in English. So the English part is already halfway as it should be. And if you just type in stefanmeyer.com, you will find everything about me that you need to know. That'll be great. We'll include that in the show notes for our listeners. And for our listeners, it was great having you as a listener to the Build Your Success podcast today. We hope that you'll share this podcast with others. Wherever you're listening to this, go over to that platform, leave us a, a review and a rating, make it honest what we want to hear, the good and the bad. So we appreciate your time today. Remember to build yourself and then build others. Thank you. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.